Simon says, every day on top of the ground is a good day. Any day you can wake up not pushing up roses is an awesome day. Welcome to the Barefoot Lunch Podcast. Today, we welcome Dr. Simon T. Bailey. Simon is an exceptional speaker, trainer, coach, and writer. He's one of the 10 most book speakers by corporations and associations in the United States. He has won the Council of Peers Award for Excellence Hall of Fame inductee for certified speaking professionals. He's uh, top 25 people that will help you reach your life goals, uh, voted by Success Magazine. And he is well known for such books as Shift Your Brilliance, Brilliant Living, Be the Spark, uh, and Success is an Inside Job. I've had the pleasure to know Simon for many years, and uh, today we'll go through and we'll talk about who's influenced him in his life, uh, his journey uh, living uh, in Buffalo, New York, and moving to the Walt Disney Company, uh, where he then left that job and moved into a successful entrepreneurial career. He's an inspirational guru in marketing, and he leads others to find their brilliance. I'm sure you will enjoy this conversation with Dr. Bailey. Without further ado, let's get started. All right, so... Good day to everyone. Welcome to the Barefoot Lunch Podcast. I'm very fortunate to be here with the Dr. Simon T. Bailey. Welcome, Simon. Hey, good to be with you. So we got a lot to cover. We want to talk about uh, what you're doing in the world. We'll talk about Shift Your Brilliance, which uh, you said the listeners would be interested in. Uh, but let's jump into some Barefoot Lunch questions. And uh, what would be one book you recommend everyone should read? When I Stop Talking, You'll Know I'm Dead. It's by Jerry Weintraub. And Jerry Weintraub uh, was the mastermind behind Ocean's 11, 12, and 13, the movie. Uh, He also was the agent of record for George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Phenomenal, phenomenal story. You will laugh. You will cry. You will think. But he just walks you through the last 50 years of how Hollywood has transformed and what he did to just bootstrap his way through his Hollywood career. That's awesome. And what? Uh, why do you pick that book? What's, what's inspirational for you around that? I think three things. Number one, he shares with you when everyone is zigging, you zag. Go the opposite way. Don't do things the way they've always been done. Number two, when others say no, find the way to yes. And he also is the agent for Frank Sinatra and John Denver. So he just tells these amazing stories. And I think the third thing is he teaches resilience and just finding a way to persevere and to reinvent no matter what is going on in life. That's awesome. Thank you for that. I I saw in uh, one of your blogs recently, we were talking about 
figure out how to say yes. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I, I remember the first time I met you, you were in, you were doing some speaking in Orlando mm -hmm. and you made sure everybody walked away with a copy of your book, Simon Says at the time. And, yeah. and you were just making a huge, that was, I think you just left the, the mousetrap yeah. and, and you were making a huge splash, not just a little one. It was just like, you were zagging where everybody was zinging and <laughs> it was amazing to watch. <laughs> And uh, and then from there we did uh, go over to Dr. Phillips and uh, Phillips, Dr. Phillips, is that the right area? And yes, have lunch. Yeah, yeah. So that leads us. That segues us to the next question. I like to ask is, what is your favorite lunch? Caesar salad with blackened salmon. Oh yeah. And where do you get that in uh, Orlando? Oh, Seasons Fifty Two is a good restaurant that I like to go to. Yes. That's great. Yeah, I like that. We'll uh, next time in in Orlando, I, I want to come and we'll do that because I love a good blackened uh, blackened salmon, which is fantastic. And my mouth's watering. I, I went out for a long run. I went out for a fifteen k this morning, and I'm hungry now. <laughs> so if you if you could invite anyone to lunch, living or dead, who would you invite? I would invite Mother Teresa. Nice. I would want to know what inspired her to help the least, the last, the lost, the forgotten. What drove her to do it? Cool. Have you uh, done much study on, on Mother Teresa? I have not, other than her quotes and, you know, the little bit that I've read about her life, you know, online. Uh, but she was amazing. Just amazing. Very inspirational in a world where she should not by sheer number have been someone that could do that, what she's done. Right. Yeah. And it seemed like she did it all from her heart and for a higher purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. I have uh, I had a reading group where we, we read about mother Teresa. So I encourage you to jump in and uh, find out about that. So one okay. of the things I need to tell you, Simon is you are brilliant. <laughs> You're, you're always an inspiration of whether it's online, you've been inspirational and um, being a roadmap for me in my life and a beacon, which I appreciate. So I thank you for that and applaud you for that. Tell, tell me, a, tell our listeners a little bit about how you've gotten to where you're at in, uh, in your world. Well, I think it's uh, not being afraid to fail and to fail forward. Uh, I left Disney 18 years ago, cashed in my entire retirement plan, turned down four jobs. And over the last 18 years, I've reinvented five times. So I think number one, not being afraid to reinvent. If something works, great. And if it stopped working, move on from it, learn and grow. I think the second thing, uh, whenever you feel as if you don't know everything, ask people who are a little bit up the road and say, hey, what would you do? So never stop learning. And I think the third thing is just always be your authentic self. I think early on, I thought I had to be like everyone else, I had to do what they were doing. And I tried to uh, emulate them, but I wasn't getting the same results that had been marketed. And I realized I got to come back to true me. I've got to stay at the center of who I am at the core. 
That's great. I, I'd like to unpack a lot. There's, there's a lot you've done said there. I'd like to unpack. One of the things is um, you talked about reinventing yourself five times. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? So I think within the first few years, when I left Disney and went out on my own, I was speaking and then, and so that was the, the big thing. And then I had the book, right? Mm-hmm. But then very quickly, a few years later, I realized I needed a training system because organizations were saying, well, can you help us go deeper beyond a 30, 60 minute speech? So the answer is yes. Now let's figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I happen to have a colleague of mine that worked at Disney and her master's degree was in instructional design. So I would sit with her and say, here's the concept in my head. And she would build out a full day, multi-day training program with all of the the pedagogy and everything that needed to be in it to make it legit, right? So that was the next reinvention. And then from there, I got into the whole online space and realized that, wait a minute, I can create courses that will reach people who I may never meet, but I'll meet them online. And so being open to shifting and letting go of what worked in order to embrace what was emerging. Okay. That's great. And for finding that authentic voice, talk around, around that. Yeah. So it's interesting. You would say that I'm, I'm recording uh, some quotes right now that I've written over the years. And one of the quotes I say, when I first started out, I was an annoying echo instead of an original voice. I sounded like everyone else. And what I recognized when I found my voice, my words, my embracing of failure and success, when I found my words, I found my voice. When I found my voice, I found my freedom. So it was really coming back home to myself to say, you know what? I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. And yes, I grew up in a family that was very poor, My father was an immigrant from Jamaica to Florida, embracing all of that, not pushing it aside and ignoring it, but truly owning it. And when I did, that's when I was able to come from a place of deeper authenticity. That's great. How do you, how did you um, mine that well as you, you journeyed from Buffalo to, to Florida? I think uh, for one thing, uh, Coming to a place after being married for a number of years, I went through a divorce a few years ago after being married for 25 years and I had to go and sit with a therapist named Anita, who's been a practicing for 40 years and she has more degrees than a thermostat. <laughs> it's true. She does. Awesome. She's, she said to me, whatever you don't deal with will eventually deal with you. Well, I didn't deal with growing up in the third poorest city in the United States. I didn't want to deal with my father being a migrant worker. I didn't want to deal with all of these setbacks of running away from Buffalo to Atlanta to Florida. But all of a sudden, I had to face the music. And she said, you will never show up fully 100% on stage until you deal with your unfinished business. And I said, okay. And I had to deal with it. So it started with my mother uh, having just a very frank conversation with my mom. And when I called my mom, she said, I've been waiting to have this conversation for 35 years. That was the first thing, right? I think the second thing, seeing my father in the hospital in a coma and he wakes up and he says to me for the first time, I love you and I believe in you 
what that does for a man to hear his father say that because I wasn't really validating or affirming my children. So now all of a sudden I could say to them, I love you and I believe you uh, and, and believe in you. Because uh, their mother has said to me, you never tell the children that you love them. I said, because my dad never did it for me. So I had to get that straight, right? And then probably the third thing is um, after the divorce, I had to write a letter at the encouragement of my therapist and I went to the landmark form and they said, you know what? You gotta address what's really holding you back. And I wrote a letter to my ex and I said, I was pretending to be happy and in love when in fact I wasn't, I was struggling, right? And so it's just totally coming clean. That was the breakthrough. Wow. And during, and probably talking about that, it sounds easy. It's like, you know, writing, writing uh, how to do something, how to save the planet. It sounds, it sounds really good on paper, but uh, putting that into action, that must've been quite a, a journey and venture for you to do that. A lot of starts and stops, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of not going to bed at all. Uh, a lot of tears, uh, a lot of staring off in space, like wondering what the heck is going on, right? A lot of processing. And for me, it's probably been about a five-year journey, but it was the willingness to get up every single day and do the work. I went to therapy for about 18 months, once or twice a month, uh, maybe an hour to two hours per session. And so that really helped because I'm a person that's very private. I keep Mm -hmm. everything in, I don't share but I just really start unpacking a lot of things that I had been suppressing for so long. And as I started to talk about it, there was a sense of release. Um, There's a new book that'll be out next year where uh, it took me about three years to write. Yeah, so I, I was just saying, I came to a place of emotional honesty and coming to that place of emotional honesty created internal liberation where I stopped hiding from myself and I came home to who I was at the core. What, uh, I mean, there must be um, certain times when you just want to throw in the towel and give up. How, how, what do you say to people to persevere and, and keep on getting up and, and going on, even though they feel that they can't? I would say find that one moment when you were on top of the world where you experience success, happiness, or joy. Go back to that moment. What did it feel like? What did it sound like? What did you do? What was happening? And what you're doing is you're shifting the state that you're in to go back to a state of joy. Mm. And what that does, that unlocks you from the inside out to say, wait a minute, if I can access that moment in time, what would it be like each day, each moment, whenever I feel as if I am going down or I want to give up and throw in the towel. Just relive the moments of happiness. And those moments of happiness compounded over time will enable to pull you out of whatever you're in. That's one thing. Another thing, go and do something for someone else who can do nothing mm-hmm. for you. Um, you know, go to a restaurant and pay for somebody's bill and they don't even have to know you paid for it. Uh, what that does for you, that act of kindness becomes healing for you because you took the pressure off of what you were going through to say, how can I be in service of just to someone else? That's great. Very nice. What the, 
What advice do you, uh, we talked about um, shifting your brilliance. Mm-hmm. Talk around that, uh, that phrase and, and the premise for your book, shift your brilliance. So there will come a time in life will, where you will have to shift or you will be shifted. What do I mean by that? In a world of artificial intelligence, automation, autonomous cars, everything that's happening, we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, how do I see how I fit tomorrow? Shift, see how I fit tomorrow starting today. So professionally, am I in a career that fills my cup, feeds my soul? And if it doesn't, why not? Is it time to shift? Um, Then once you begin to answer that question, what's your vision of a better tomorrow? What are those non-negotiables that you must have in order to fully come alive and live from a place of brilliance? What, um, cause I, I, I run a company that does executive search. So I'm dealing with people who want to change their jobs all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and oftentimes that's, that's what they're looking for is that shift. Mm-hmm. And they think that changing their job is the shift when really it's something much more profound and immediate within their own control. Uh, and so you, you, I'm sitting there talking to people and they say, well, I want to go and do job X when really they could in their own current environments shift. Do you, do you see that happening as well? Absolutely. So many times We think the grass is greener on the other side. And what we just simply need is a change of scenery where we already are. In other words, uh, is it finding more meaningful work that speaks to you at the core, that aligns with your purpose and your giftings and your talent and your skills? And sometimes you just need to make a slight shift Mm. where you are to find that new land of joy and happiness. Yeah, I, uh, that's why I call it barefoot lunch. Sometimes you just need to go and slip off your shoes, get under a tree and, and read a book of poetry and, and refresh. And it, sometimes it takes a lot of, um, uh, of willpower mm-hmm. to believe that it's okay to do that. We, we live in, a, in an age where we think that we need to be busy and working and uh, active in in productive activity all the time, or just at least busy activity all the time. And uh, that can be quite a challenge. Yes. I believe in the quietness and taking time to reflect is where the real power uh, really is unlocked. How, what I'm going through uh, your books and you have so much there. What advice do you have for people who are trying to find their purpose? I would say answer the following questions. Question number one, where have you been? And that where have you been question looks at your experience, your expertise, where you have deployed your energy over, you know, however many years. So where have I been? Question number two, the thousand year old question, why am I here? That why am I here question back from Socrates and Plato was to really invite people to understand It's not, why did my mom meet my dad? No, why do you show up to do what you do every single day in life, right? Third question, what can you do? 
And the what can you do question is the permission question to say, well, I've done this. What else can I do? What else am I missing? And then that fourth question is, where are you going? And the where are you going is to say, okay, if I have a map and I'm not sure where I want to go, how do I start with what's in front of me right now? So finding your purpose is not doing this big, grandiose thing. It's just getting up tomorrow morning, putting one foot in front of the other, and then being intentional about being purposeful that day in everything you do, and then compound that over time. That's how you tap into your purpose. I like that. I, I like the, I use the term uh, persistent consistency, uh, yes. where you just keep on going. You're reminding me of a, a quote um, by Dwight D. Eisenhower. He said, uh, in preparing for battle, I've always found that plans are useless, but planning <laughs> is indispensable. Mm-hmm. That's good. Because I, I just imagine a lot of people think, oh, we I need to put all these grandiose plans into place so I can wake up and I can do them. And then the day takes over, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. I, I can just imagine when you left Disney, you, you had uh, the million dollar dream all settled in place and you knew how to get from A to Z. But uh, there must have been something in between that uh, uh, took you away from that. Oh my goodness, plenty of times. Like uh I have a mortgage to pay. I've got <laughs> diapers to buy. I've got bills to pay. <laughs> For sure. What do you what do you recommend to people who are thinking about taking a big jump like that, leaving leaving that uh six-figure job and moving out on their own and and doing following their muse? Before you road test the, and, and before you take the leap, get out and take a day off. And just uh, experience what you're thinking about doing. Now, that's what I did before I left Disney. I took vacation time and I moonlighted. I, I went and spoke at different places. I got paid for it. And I said, whew, I think I can do this. Yeah. So just don't take the leap. Test it out. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I did. I, I was um, doing a lot of uh, seminars and speaking engagements. And finally, it, it just took over my day day job just so i had uh, more money coming in from doing that that it just made sense sure so, so it wasn't uh, too much but it was a lot of days off and a lot of uh working two jobs exactly but you yeah. figured it out <laughs> yeah. now, one of uh one of the things i wanted to talk to you about today you are an inspiration for me in marketing and i know that's your background um Partly, I just wanted to say you're my your inspiration in, in marketing, but also uh, talk around what you do for you your business around the marketing side of things. So we think of marketing from the standpoint of how do we create surround sound marketing that wherever people see us, number one, our brand is consistent. Number two, we want to evoke a feeling or emotion in individuals who want to uh, ensure that they feel as if we're hugging them with our words, right? Mm. And the third thing we we are really, really big on is a brand is an emotion, connection, perception, moment, and a memory. So at any moment when people have dealt with us, what do they take away? You know, there's a Maya Angelou quote that says, people may forget what you say, they may forget what you do, but they would never forget how you made them feel. Mm. So we always want to make sure that 
however people find us, YouTube, Facebook, or now Meta, <laughs> uh, uh, wherever they find us on social media, or if they read a blog or come to our website, those are touch points. And in those touch points, uh, did we ice it? And ice is one of our core values that stands for integrity, creativity, and excellence. Is there excellence in our work? Mm-hmm. Is it creative? And, and is it done from a place of integrity? That's great. Because you, And you're putting out a, a lot of content. I know you go to your website, you got videos on there, you got blogs, and then you can have programs that you can buy. You'd, uh, you're doing courses on LinkedIn learning. Uh, yes. There's just so, plus writing books and, and uh, spending time with me today for a podcast. I mean, there's just so much that you do. No, happy to do it. We call it surround sound marketing, just touching people wherever they might be. Uh, so we can reach people every day, every way, everywhere. That's great. Talk. I'd like to touch back upon uh, ICE because I think <laughs> that's go through and and talk through your values uh, more for what you do with your company. Yeah. So our values integrity is first of all understanding not all money is good money, mm. and we don't want all the business. We don't want all the clients. We want the clients that allow us to do our very best work and give a little something extra. When we come from that place of integrity, we're not trying to chase a piece of business down because there's a fee attached to it. It aligns with who we are and what we're trying to do. We have a team of about five that works with us. So integrity, we always start with, does this come from a place of integrity? If we say yes to this, will this be true to our brand? Will it allow us to grow, right? So that's integrity. And then also integrity for me is when I am in front of an audience and if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer, do I have integrity enough to say, you know what? I don't know. Mm. And I'm not going to try to pretend that I know. Uh, Let's leverage the brilliance in the rooms. That's coming from a place of integrity. Uh, When we've had clients overpay us, we'll send a check back. Don't say you overpaid us. And it was probably accident on their end. That's coming from a place of integrity because it's doing what is inconvenient so that we can sleep really well at night. Mm. That we did right by people. And, and, and our character is not questioned because we came from that place of, of, of integrity. That's great. And then the C's creativity. So creativity is looking at what we do and say, wait a minute, we're kind of stuck in our industry. So you know how the old saying goes, you can't see the picture uh, when you're in the frame, yeah. uh, you know? <laughs> so, so we say, okay, what other places uh, are creative? How do we tap into those? So for instance, I've spent some time over the last six months in the healthcare space, mm-hmm. learned a lot. And I said, okay, how do we now transfer that learning into what we're doing? And we've been able to do it. So creativity is always looking to get better and to look outside your industry. Pre-pandemic here in the United States, one of the things that I would do with certain clients, if I was flying in to meet with them, Mm -hmm. I would actually go early and go on a field trip. I was like, take me into your business. I want to understand it. Yeah. Take me to the warehouses. Take me to manufacturing. Let me see how you think about the future. 
that sparks creativity when you kind of get out of your comfort zone. That's great. And then, and then excellence is just making sure, and this is probably with my Disney hat on, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the question the, is asked, how many people does it take to change a light bulb on, on Main Street USA at Disney? <laughs> it is a lot of people, right? But it's really that spirit of excellence. And if you're going to do it right, just do it. Spend the money. Don't go cheap uh, because everything speaks. And there have been some times when we've done things where you're like, that's not excellence. That's just really a bad, poor job, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and, and calling ourselves out, you know, and saying, that's not excellent. Uh, it's got to be better. And if we have to do it a few times to get it right, then we're going to do that. That's excellence. That's great. I love it. I, uh, I agree wholeheartedly. I love your uh, field trip example. It's one of the things um, when I'm working with clients, I, I just... When I go to their office, if they have uh, uh, locations where we can, I can watch how they're putting together machines or packaging. I love going and seeing that because it really gives me a flavor of who I'm working for and how I can um, sell, but um, translate their the company's values to to candidates who want to work for them. So I think that's so important. Um, and it just helps with, um, one, let's just finishing up on a couple of questions. What do you wish you would have known before starting your career? I would say, I wish I would have known the importance of being in the moment and not rushing to get to the next rung on the ladder of my career. Mm. Just being present to the moment learning, listening, leaning in. I wish I would have known that early on. Wow. I, lo- I love that. Learning, listening, leaning in. When uh, I wish I, I would have done more of that in, in my career as well. What's So you've got, um, I was going through your biography and you got uh at least on your website, you got success is an inside job, release your brilliance, shift your brilliance, uh, brilliant living, be the spark. You have so many books out there. Uh, what's what's next for you in, in your career, Simon? Our, our big thing is how do we create a movement where we invite people to find their brilliance and release it uh, into the world? What we are realizing is a lot of people are waking up to the fact that they have more to offer Mm. and they are no longer comfortable with a chair, a check and a cup of coffee and cubicle farm. And they realize that this is not a dress rehearsal. This is the only life you have to live. How do you make it meaningful and ensure that it matters every single day? Mm. So our goal over the next year is to help people get there help them not just with our books, but in everything we post, helping people move towards their core brilliance. That's great. I, I love the phrase core brilliance. Yeah, that's where it's at. Because when you come from this place of core brilliance, it's not so much about what you're getting in the form of a paycheck or benefits or stock options or, or pats on the back. No, it's about who you are becoming while you are living in an environment. So your core brilliance is the alignment of your head, your heart, your hands. Mm. Uh, Your core brilliance allows you to be in flow. Your core brilliance 
allows you to work beyond what you're paid to do. Your core brilliance has what Marie Forleo calls figure out ability because you want to figure it out, not because you have to figure it out. So coming from that core brilliance is coming from that place of love, love for who you are and love for what you produce. I love it. That's uh, I, I wrote in Sweet Success when I wrote that was all about arite, which was uh, the Greek idea of that core focus that um, it's loosely translated as excellence, but it's mm. even, it's more deep than that. And it, it nice. very much is in that core. Um, it's, that might be a, a, a Greek term for you to go back and, and take a look at uh, when you're looking at, at that concept. Do you think, I, I know I see it in Japan and I read about it in the U S with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It just seems that there's so many people that, you know, we've worked at home for two years. We've, you know, in Japan, you, there's two years ago, there was no way you would ever be able to work from home. And, mm -hmm. uh, and all of a sudden overnight, we were able to do it. And strangely enough, people have really enjoyed it. And they've gone and found hobbies. Um, working parents, single parents are finding that they get to spend more time with their children or quality time or just to eat, eat dinner with their family. And mm -hmm. they're unwilling to give that up. And there's just, I feel, a, a huge shift um, already occurring um, and where people are going to focus on their core brilliance. And, and, yes. and if companies aren't going to attune to that, they're going to lose excellent talent. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They will. And do you see that in, in the U.S. as well? Yes, we're totally going to see it. As you know, the great resignation yep. or what some call are calling the great reassessment is really everyone is looking in the mirror and saying, David, what's really meaningful? What really matters? It's family, it's life, it's time, it's happiness. That's what really matters. Not just you know working so many hours a day, commuting back and forth, sitting in traffic, all of these things. It's about quality, not quantity for a lot of people right now. I agree. I, I, there's no way I'd want to be on I-4. Uh, if I have to be. <laughs> For any of you who don't know, I four is uh, it's kind of a death trap in Florida. It's, yeah, there's they're always working on it, and it takes a lot of driving time. Totally. Oh, so um, where can listeners find out more about you, Simon? How do you like people to interact with you in, in the world? They can go to simontbailey.com. Uh, my name and also Simon T. Bailey on LinkedIn is a great place to find me and Instagram. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm following you and I love watching what you're doing and I appreciate your brilliance and everything that you're giving to people. It's, um, it's magnificent. You're, you're just keep doing what you're doing and uh, being that beacon of energy and passion and brilliance for people. I, I just applaud you and thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the Barefoot Lunch Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and like this podcast wherever you download your favorite podcasts. I'll leave you now with the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra and the Sheik of Arabia.